Welcome to Joanna and the Maestro. Hello, Maestro. Welcome to this mini-episode of Joanna and the Maestro. Um, Maestro, I've called this one, because I like to give things a title when I remember. This one is called Dogs Riding Horses. You can hear a fly in the distance. Dogs Riding Horses and Music for Your Funeral. So first of all, I'm going to read you a letter, Stevie. It's lovely. Marcel sent it in to me. He says, dearest, dearest Joanna and Stephen, so we're already right in there, his, uh, in his heart. I simply have to share this moment of complete madness with you. Well, it is good madness. My husband and I were on holiday in Brazil on a beach near Arayal da Raguda. I'm sorry I said that wrong. I'm sorry I've said it wrong. I was catching up with my Joanna and the Maestro podcast while enjoying a strong caipirinha. I don't know what that is either, but a very strong drink. Alcohol. And taking in the beautiful sea view. I was listening and concentrating, I promise. All of a sudden, nothing made sense. I was so distracted seeing a dog riding a horse. I lost complete concentration on what Stephen was explaining. I had to pause and re-listen. It was such a funny moment. Yeah, it's actually sent just a photograph, Maestro. Look, there's a dear little horse being led I along with a dog sitting on the saddle. Marcel, thank you for that. <laughs> it, was, it, it made his husband, Jorge, Jorge, laugh as well. And he sent us this picture. So thank you, Marcel. Um, but also, Marcel's got a question. He says he doesn't know a lot about classical music, so he loves it. But he assumed classical pieces are really long. He wonders... He says that puts him off sometimes. Are there any short but still great pieces that I can listen to? Well, first off, no, not all classical music, so-called classical, in inverted commas, um, it is long. But there are some pieces that are lovely for him to listen to, which are short. Yeah, well, say, yeah, please yes. say yes. Please say yes. Yes, you, um, but but look, if you listen to a Mozart symphony or a Haydn symphony, or a Beethoven symphony. The first movement, for example, of the Eroica is, what, 10, 11, 12 minutes long? If that, and let me tell you that Led Zepp um, wrote several tracks that come up to 10 or 11 minutes as well. Um, I think we can get too used to the idea that um, a three-minute track mm. or a three and a half minute or four minute track is, is is some kind of ultimate length that keeps our attention. But let me put it this way. In different societies, take Victorian societies, for example, they used to have programs of the great symphony orchestras that, that would sometimes be three and a half to four hours long with with wonderful piece after wonderful piece. You don't need to listen to Mahler's Ninth, which is a long symphony, or Mahler Seven, which is also quite long, and some of Bruckner's symphonies are quite long. You don't need to dig into those. You could simply listen to a Beethoven symphony, Beethoven Eighth symphony. Th- that has four movements, and each movement is is quite short. So apart from symphonies and oratorios and operas, which are, um, you know, big and for a whole evening's entertainment. Um, there are um, the growth of tone poems. Saint-Saëns wrote wonderful tone poems. Phaeton is, is one. Is um, Tchaikovsky's Romeo and Juliet sweet or something? Is that a tone poem or what is it? No, that's, a, that's an overture. He called it an overture but- because it is just one movement. Yes, and it it tells the the tale of Romeo and Juliet in it. Well, what about the Sorcerer's Apprentice? Yes, wonderful. And, and Till Eulenspiel. Yeah, it was Till Eulenspiel. That's what I was going to say. Tone poems. Yeah. The tone poems are not 
uh, very long. Seven or eight minutes longer? No, they can be longer. Um, also, Sprach is, I don't know, um, 40 minutes. It's, well, that's it's too very long. long. That's no, too- no, 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 no. What no, do you mean, Marcel? It's, it's for short things, darling. You yes, I know. I'm tr- I, uh, Marcel, I, I encourage you to um, take small bites of big symphonies, but individual movements, you? or <laughs> you can go straight to um, Richard Strauss's tone poems, Don Juan, um, Till Eulenspiegel, um, and then be encouraged, perhaps, to listen to Don Quixote which is a tone poem by Richard Strauss, which tells the story of Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. And then, Marcel, you could turn to the piano, where you will hear etudes, nocturnes, berceurs, barcarolles, beautiful pieces, all quite short. Absolutely. And and Brahms intermezzi. There's almost, there is just masses of quite short music that I think, honestly, um, Marcel, you're just going to love. Start off with some Chopin nocturnes. I think they're just magical. That's very good advice. Thank you so much. I would like to somebody. So Leanne in Wellington from New Zealand. You've you've conducted in Wellington, haven't you? I have. Yeah. Um, so Leanne obviously saw you there. Fell for you probably. Hook line sinker. Hi, Joanna and Maestro. <laughs> Love the podcast. Do conductors ever commission new works from composers? The answer to that is yes. There was a tradition um, in America, for example, where. Um, Kusevitsky commissioned, I think, commissioned symphonies from Martinu, um, and certain pieces, um, certain other uh, conductors in the in the grand old days of the legendary, powerful conductors, and Simon Rattle, more contemporary. But in the main, um, it will be artistic bodies or orchestras or opera houses that will commission um, new operas or, or, or new works. Composers really long to receive commissions, of course, because that's the only way, really, that they get um, an income for the very business of writing music. Otherwise, they have to try and sell it. We've, this is not going to be the place for talking about this, but we forget that musicians are workers, they're, they, they're it's not what just they daydreamers. do for their living. They're not no. just daydreamers. Poets as well, writers. They have to be paid for, rewarded for their work. They can't just drift about doing stuff, you know, with with a floppy tie and and a wistful look and a pale face. If that isn't how it works. You've got to be paid. And you'll find that all through the ages, and I know this goes back to all the people you know and love like Mozart, they had to have work commissioned. And somebody rich, either the church or the great duke, or whoever it was they were working for, the royal family, somebody would say, we would like to have a, a, a funeral mass, and I would like to go moving effortlessly now. That was a, a pretty subtle link, I thought. A mass for the dead. <laughs> I do, I just want to talk about this. Because um, the third question, I think it comes from, I, either it comes from Leanne or it just comes from somebody else, which says, we know composers have written music to mark other people's deaths, but have any composers ever created music for their own funeral. If you know you're going to pop your clogs and you're a talented composer, surely you'd want your music played at the end. <laughs> now, was Mozart's Requiem, did he write it with himself in mind or for his no. father or for somebody? Or were Requiem just r- no. pieces of church No, music? Mozart's Requiem you, 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 um, brings up that story of the cloaked anonymous, the black cloaked anonymous um, sponsor who commissioned him to write it. I, I rather like the idea. Um, 
that a composer might say, I'm going to write this piece and, I, um, and, and to tell his wife or her husband, um, and you're jolly well going to have this played at my funeral. Um, I, <laughs> it's, I, I honestly don't think that I can pluck out a single requiem that was written by a composer for their own death. No, but Andrew Lloyd Webber, who wrote a beautiful requiem for his father, since, tragically, his his eldest son died, he's going to revisit his requiem and, if not rewrite it, look at it again or add pieces to it. So it's, it's very much a living thing. And so even though it isn't for his own funeral, I imagine that when Andrew, please heavens, not for many, many years to come, goes away, he would quite like to have his own requiem played at his funeral, don't you think? Well, I, I concede, but, but, but you know, I've, you and I have talked about this. You, um, when, when you asked me the question of um, what music would I like at my own funeral? Yes, listeners, it's a conversation we've had. A um, bit tragic, but that's um, where we are in our marriage. Um, you know. And my feeling is that um, I'll be gone. Um, so... I would really prefer you, my dying wife, to choose the music for you um, to remember me by. You, mm. of, I, I, of course, when I go to funerals, I'm immensely touched by everybody's personal choice. I love you chose to play because quite often you're asked to play the organ, either at weddings mm. or funerals or baptisms mm. or anything. Um, but at, at uh, Libby Child's, Beautiful service. Mm. Um, you you played a piece of for of forays from forays requiem. It's an unearthly beautiful yes. piece, um, with with a feeling of wistfulness about it, but also a feeling of of beauty and calm and yeah. peace and kind of reconciliation with what's going to happen to us all. After all, we we hate yes. the day and we put it away from us, but it's all there. It's all going to happen. So we must just get prepared. I'd like you to think a little bit more than you have done about your own funeral. Um, and would you like to tell the Me? listeners what you would like played at your funeral? I think Elvis might be singing, Are You Lonesome Tonight? And I'll be going, Yes, the tapping on the coffin. Yes, Elvis, and I'm coming along right now. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I have to deal with. <laughs> Maestro, thank you so much for this short episode of Joanna and the Maestro. <laughs> 